This podcast is brought to you by Premier, the UK's leading Christian media organisation. As we approach the end of our financial year, we want to remind you that podcasts like this are only possible due to the generosity of supporters like you. You could help reach millions of people throughout the year through shows just like this. Make your best gift today at premierchristianradio.plus. You're listening to The Profile. Hello and welcome to The Profile Podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing leaders in the church and the wider culture. In the coming weeks, you'll be hearing the best of these conversations, plus some brand new ones as well. It was leadership expert John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. Some have massive influence through their role as a leader of a church or business, a charity or a family. Others have influence in their neighbourhood, a network of friends, or through leisure interests. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence. This show is brought to you by Premier Christianity Magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. Hopefully you can remember at least one sermon. It might be the one that led you to faith or to a change of direction in your life. Maybe one that gave you insight into a truth that was life-changing. Or sadly, it may be one that you can barely remember other than it was particularly poor. Maybe because you fell asleep or it left you scratching your head wondering what was being said. Most local churches give some time in a service to a sermon. And if you're a church leader, you are regularly needing to give them. So how can we ensure that what we say is memorable and helpful rather than dull and boring? Well, I'm joined this week by someone who has served churches in Purley, Chichester and Eastbourne and was giving weekly sermons as part of his work as a minister. He's the Reverend Ian White and he runs The Preacher's Masterclass, a series of films based on 35 years of regular preaching. And it's a joy to have him back on The Leadership Show. So lovely to uh, chat to you again, Ian. It's great to talk again, Andy, and I look forward to it. So I'm going to understand, Ian, that the masterclass came about when you... I understand the masterclass came about uh, when you were asked to help someone, and then you realised his problem was likely to be more widespread. Yes, that's absolutely right. I was asked to help. In fact, he was someone I was mentoring, a a young pastor in a small church. Um, Let's call him Graham. That's not his real name. And uh, he'd been given a model of preaching that was so subjective that it left him lost when he couldn't think of anything to say. And I thought, (laughs) my my heart went out to him. Uh, And I thought, oh, poor you. Um, And he he admitted to me on the phone that he was just completely at sea when it came to preparing this particular sermon. I mean, he preached two or three already, but he and they'd gone well. But now he was he was stuck. And I said to him, what sort of preach, preaching training have you had? He said, oh, he said, we had a lecture today at the uh, college where he attends. I won't tell you which one. Um, and the, 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 the teacher had said, well, you just need to read and reread and re-re-re-re-read the Bible. Just keep going until the Holy Spirit speaks to you and ignites something in your heart. And he said, Ian, I've done all that and I'm still at a loss. 
So I thought, oh, it's, he needs a few steps just to follow through, you know. So I said, okay, look, ring me back in half an hour and I'll, and I'll give you something to go on. Now, I think he was hoping I might write his sermon for him, but that was <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> That'd be cheating. Um, so anyway, he rang back. And in that time, I wrote down seven steps that he could follow, something to do. So at least he's got something to say. Won't be the world's greatest sermon, but that doesn't matter. Um, and uh, that's that's what he did. And it, it all seemed to work. And I thought, my word, there must be other people like this out there. That was one thing that stimulated it. That was pre-COVID. I've noticed since COVID, however, that increasingly churches, particularly smaller churches, are relying more heavily on members of the congregation um, taking on the role of of teaching God's word in a sermon or a talk or whatever word you like to attach to it. And that means there's a raft of folk out there who are well-meaning and many of them very smart, but have never had any consistent training in how to get God's word out of the Bible and into people's hearts. And that's what the masterclass is all about. Fabulous. Well, we're going to ask, explore a little bit about uh, some of the aspects of, of preaching, but obviously we'll, we'll, we'll show people how to, um, get to the masterclass so that they can uh, more fully understand uh, the kind of approaches you take. Uh, but I guess we have to ask that that basic question, what do you believe preaching is? Oh, what a good question. Um, there are any number of definitions. Almost every book you look at will have a different one. One of my favourites, I think, comes from a, a, a preacher called Martin Lloyd-Jones. He called it Logic on Fire. And I think that sums up the two things that mean quite a lot to me. I want my preaching to be logical. I want it to be sensible and for people to be able to follow from one step to the next. And I also want it to carry the fire of the spirit. Now, I can't guarantee that and I can't work it up, but God seems to do it. And he does it for many of his children when we expound God's word. So for me, logic on fire is my favorite definition. I mean, basically, I think of preaching as trying to get god's word out of the bible and into people's hearts and it's that transfer process that i think is key um it's not making a name for ourselves it's not you know tub thumping on a particular issue it's actually getting god's word out of the bible and into the minds and hearts of god's people so we can live it out um you know because i for one like all of us feel we all face choices we need to make every day and and i hope that the bible informs my choices uh, and I hope as a result of my preaching, it will inform, you know, a few others as well. Ian, there are various types of preaching. Uh, classically, the, the two divides, expository, where the sermon is based on explaining a Bible passage, and topical, where we bring a number of passages to bear on a topic. Um, I, I mean, I, I appreciate there's others as well, but do you have a particular preference? Maybe more than, maybe not those two. I don't know. Well, well, I mean, looking at those two, I would say I verge on the expository side where I take a passage of the Bible and do my very best to understand that passage and apply its principles in the church or the group where, wherever I am. Over the, the years I've been preaching, over half a century, she's um, <laughs> not terribly old, isn't it? <laughs> Um, over the years I've been preaching, I think that has been the bread and butter. Um, now, I'm not saying it's any better than any other method, 
it just happens to be the one that that suits me best where we try and take a passage of the bible and make it relevant and applicable to folk because in so doing i think we are taking god's word and trying to apply it to god's people and that's really what we're we're about now obviously we can't do everything with an expository uh, framework um and and topical preaching is is very definitely there i mean there are topics that trace right the way through the bible and you know any any wise preacher is going to say well is a topical approach looking right through the bible or a verse by verse approach looking at one particular passage more appropriate in this situation and you really have to choose uh choose which is appropriate in that situation and and i do both I've, uh, I've done both and i do both if you want me if you put me you know with a gun to my head against the wall i'd say probably expository is my bread and butter but um they're both they're both needed and they're both valuable and they're both used by god Super. Uh, Phillips Brooks famously talked about preaching as truth through personality. You've already given your <clears> definition, uh, Lloyd-Jones. Um, it's important, of course, to be yourself when you're preaching. Um, and I, I just wonder if you could say a few words about that. Yes, uh, you're absolutely right. It's very important that you're, you are yourself when you're preaching. Um, and in this regard, the, the preacher is completely different from the actor. The, the actor, when he's performing a part, is asking me to suspend my disbelief about his identity. You know, someone is um, performing in a play. Um, I went to watch a Poirot play at Chichester Theatre a while, while back. Now, nobody's seriously asking me to believe that the man on the stage playing the part of Poirot is Poirot. He's not. He's just playing a part. So I'm suspending my disbelief in order to enjoy the ride and hear the story and, and so on it's great fun a preacher is totally different i'm not asking people to suspend disbelief i'm asking them to engage belief now ultimately that belief is going to be in god in the in the person of jesus and by the power of his spirit but there's also part of it that i'm asking them to believe me to believe what i'm saying that what i'm saying is is true and is in line with god's will and and, and so on so my personality counts. Um, that means that, for example, as a preacher, I have to be careful of my own heart and my own soul. I have to look inwards to make sure that, you know, as best humanly possible, I'm acting and behaving in line with, with God's will. Um, so our personality is definitely brought into play and in a way that an actor doesn't. Um, now, personality is not the whole picture, obviously. Um, and also my personality <laughs> might not resonate with everybody else. You know, I mean, I put my hand up to being a bit of a geek and not everyone in, in the congregation is going to be like that. So I, I kind of have to just take account of that and recognise that um, there are other people with other sorts of personality who would approach the Bible in a, in a different way. But nevertheless, we're... We're, we're aiming to do the same thing, which is to get God's word to ignite in people's hearts. Um, so is that the sort of thing you're looking for? Yeah, no, for? that's exactly helpful. And and I, just, I suppose the, the reason for the question was that we there's a ton, there are tons of preachers we can admire and maybe learn from, but we, we are wise not to seek to imitate them yeah. in as much as, you know, we have to be us and God's using us. So, yeah. Um, 
so Ian, you, when you um, jotted down these these steps for for Graham, um, what were the steps? I'm, I'm not suggesting we explore them necessarily. That's that's what the masterclass is for. But what were the steps that you took him through? Well, broadly speaking, it divides into two two halves or two two areas, and the first area is the world of the Bible and seeking to understand that and where the text fits in. And the second area is the world of today. And what we're seeking to do, and this is the image that that I base a lot of the masterclass on, is we're seeking to establish a bridge from the Bible's world to today's world. And, And there are certain things that we need to do on the Bible's side in particular, pray and read through the text. That's where we do have to read it until the Holy Spirit strikes us, unless we don't feel he does. Then we've got to work out what its context is uh, and then what the content of the text was. And that will help us to provide a framework of the text and also to try and understand what the, the real heartbeat of it is. What, what, what spiritual and emotional things fire my soul about that text? And then we can take those same things and do them in in the real world. And we can, uh, you know, ask what's the heartbeat of my sermon? Has it got a framework? Um, what's going to be the content? What do I write down? And what context am I going to preach it into? Who am I preaching? In fact, just before we came on air, I had a phone call from a church who, who I'm going to be where I'm going to be preaching in a few weeks' time. They said, "Oh, we've just changed the format of the morning service. So there's going to be lots of kids in there. It's going to be round tables." Well, now I'm going to approach that preach completely different from if I'm standing in a pulpit, given twenty sure. minutes uninterrupted space. You know, um, so that's the context. And then finally, pray and read it through. And if if while you're listening to that explanation, you think, "Oh gosh, it's symmetrical." You're right. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking to a mathematician, of course, aren't I? Um, back in the, back in the day. <laughs> in the day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely good. Um, so, um, so you, when you talk about structuring a talk, does does the does your structure typically flow from the passage, or do you? Uh, how do you, how do you think about structure? It varies a lot, actually. Um, if I can make it flow from the passage. I probably would go down that route to begin with, because if if the passage has already put a structure on what it's saying, then that's sensible to replicate that for to, for people today. That isn't always the case, particularly if you're preaching topically, and then you've your your structure is going to be t- determined more by the the big headlines that relate to the topic that you're you're preaching on. Um, and for me, I would usually try and have sort of three or four major major headlines and they act as a sort of waypoint so people can know uh where they're heading um i'll try and strive for an engaging introduction to grab people's attention and hold it and a moving conclusion one that that helps people to feel what god's saying to them without making them feel unnecessarily guilty i i I think often preachers we as preachers we use guilt as a motivating technique that I don't find in the Bible very often. And guilt is a poor motivator. It works for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> um, I'd much rather motivate somebody to do something positively and to see God work through it than to tell them, oh, you shouldn't do that. Um, I wouldn't use that tone of voice, but that's what can come out of the background if we're not careful. So I tend to work on the beginning and the end more proportionately than the middle. But basically, an introduction, some sort of moving conclusion, and a few waypoints along the way. That would be my default way of doing it. There are many others, and you know, 
you know, I've been preaching long enough to know that we have to adapt it to wherever we're at at the time, but that will be the default position. Sure. Sure. Uh, and a question about the mechanics. Um, um, do you advocate a full mm -hmm. manuscript bullet point notes, no notes at all? What do you typically take into the pulpit? Yes. When it comes to the mechanics of preaching, I tend to take into the pulpit a pretty much a full manuscript. Um, and I'll do that deliberately because it disciplines me to think through each of the things that I'm going to say uh, and have them in a sequence. It also means that when I'm telling a joke or a story, I've actually sat down to think about how that joke is going to make people laugh or how that story is going to make them feel. And that kind of thing, you want to make it sound as if it's as if you're doing it on the spur of the moment, but actually you're not. You're, you're thinking hard about it. And any, you know, any of the famous comedians, for example, um, they're going to work on their stories really hard and they're going to make sure that at each gig they tell them the same way and perhaps adapt it if one doesn't work, you know. So I take pretty much a full script. I try to memorise the key moments um, so that I don't fluff those key moments. And so that I'm not, you know, constantly looking down sure. into my notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my problem with very brief material in in the pulpit, and I've done it like that occasionally. My problem with it is that I can get distracted by myself, and I can go wandering off on some um, down some sort of rabbit hole, and then wonder where where I've got to, and then try to get back again and you lose the flow the, the other thing I, I notice about about folk who who say oh well i always preach extempore or i don't i don't um bring notes into the pulpit with me because they're restricting actually you need to be restricted <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um and my problem would be if i didn't preach from notes i'd be saying the same thing week after week after week because that <laughs> that's the that's the rabbit hole down which my mind goes, you know. Sure. Um, so having a, a reasonably full script keeps variety alive, it keeps it fresh, and don't be too bound by it. You know, if you feel God say to you, actually leave your notes and go and say something else, then do it. But if that happens every time, then just just think hard about how you write your notes the the, the thing is and i do hear people criticize uh, folk who take extensive notes into the pulpit for this that that you know it's it's not inspired by the spirit and yet i can't find in the scriptures anywhere that says you can't be inspired when you're sitting by yourself at home indeed so yes the idea that the holy spirit is limited to the service for inspiration is simply not found i don't think there's there's evidence for that I mean, obviously, I want to be in a position where God can speak to me when I'm preparing my notes and also be alert to the fact that he might want me to divert from them. But default position is let's have a full script, memorize as much as I can, and uh, then I know where I'm going and I'm not um, flummoxed. I can keep – there's a, there's variety there. Sure. Uh, put it in there to begin with. Yeah, I mean, the prophets were asked to write down what God was saying, weren't they? Weren't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. They were clearly, they were clearly inspired at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Ian, um, obviously, um, 
we're taught i've i'm a preacher and i've also led preaching courses as it happens uh, for charity once and i recall chatting to some ministers about whether they wish to attend and their comment to me was actually i'm a bit stuck in my ways i'm not sure i'm particularly open to being challenged <laughs> uh, and and so and i was sensing a resistance i mean you know you're preparing this masterclass or whatever and and some people are thinking i probably kind of could use that but i'm a little bit nervous because you know i'm i've got it stuck in my ways any any thoughts on how you get out of a rut <laughs> yeah um the only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah um i it's, it's you know if, if somebody's genuinely in a rut then I think I just want to get alongside them and and encourage them that there are other ways of doing it, different ways of preaching that, you know, you could, there might be one or two things that would help them. I I wonder about the word challenging them, because I think sometimes we use the word challenge to make people feel guilty. I think I'd probably use the kind of vocabulary that says, you know, let's equip him or her to be more effective. Uh, I might encourage them to listen to other preachers, uh, and there's a wealth of stuff out there online, and listen to other people who communicate well. Uh, TED Talks are quite good. Um, listen to stand-up comics. They're brilliant. Mm. Um, somebody once asked me, um, and, and this oh, that, that's right, the conversation was between me and a chap who wasn't, wasn't a Christian, wasn't part of the church. It, I, th I think it was in a work situation. When I said I was a preacher, he, he didn't know what a preacher was, you see. So I thought, I'll try and think up some parallels to, <laughs> to say, well, it's a bit like this. And I, and I said to him, look, it's a bit like being a teacher because you've got some information you want to get across and you want people to understand it and take it on board. It's a bit like a politician because it's not just abstract information. I actually want people to respond to it. I'm there to persuade. I mean, Paul said we persuade men. Um, and um, I'm also a bit like a stand-up comic because, you know, mostly I'm given between 20 and 30 minutes and I've got to keep people engaged for that long. And that's, that's not easy. And that's what stand-up comics do. So we can learn from the, the teacher, we can learn from the politician, we can learn from the stand-up comic. And we can also learn, I think, from the counsellor, from somebody who, you know, who we sit alongside and we pour out our hearts to, um, and we expose the deepest parts of ourselves to them. So probably those four, an amalgam of those four, <laughs> sort of work together to describe what a, what a preacher is. So, you know, if there's someone who's a bit stuck, I'd say, well, you know, listen to some stand-up comics. Um, maybe talk to a counsellor, um, listen to some other preachers, and uh, just take note of a few politicians, not so much what they say, because you don't have to agree with their policies, but look at how they say it. How do they go about persuading? It's all no, thank you. That's helpful. Uh, and are there particular preachers that you would direct people to? Uh, or have you got favourites yourself that you either watch or listen to online? Oh, my goodness. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he's just passed away, but Tim Keller is very good. Um, I still find some of John Stott's material very helpful. He was able to express a lot in a very few words. I've got a friend, Malcolm Duncan. He's very good to listen to. In a sense, I'd want to say anyone who you feel um, 
moves your heart towards Jesus. Um, and it's going to be different for different people. Um, well, John Stott yeah. is um, is on premier, so uh, that would be oh, an, easy, oh, right. an easy place to, uh, you know, his his material is, is is up and running here. So um, excellent. Well, just, go for premier and, Google, and listen Google to it. John Stott on premier, and you're you're here. He is, as you say, one of the finest <laughs> uh, of the last well, the last century, certainly. So yes. thank you. And, and, and I think, books. Sorry, I was going to ask. I, you I, about I think books. his. Yeah, yeah. Just just come back coming back mm. to uh, recordings. Some of them we do have to take on board that some of these recordings are in contemporary terms pretty old yeah. and and we do if we're going to sort of try and emulate any of this or copy their material um maybe i should say something about that um who copy their material to be careful to contemporize it and to make sure that we're not just re uh, replaying something that was relevant in the 1960s 70s and 80s uh, but now has lost its currency. Sure. Um, and a, f a few, fa yeah. a few favourite books, Ian. <clears throat> on preaching. Um, well, I think I've I've mentioned John Stott. I think his book, "I Believe in Preaching," is 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 one of the clearest on getting the message from a, a blank piece of paper through to people's hearts. Mm. Um, yes, in contemporary terms, it is rather dated. But so long as you look at it in that way, as long as you understand that's what you're doing, then then you're fine. You're fine. There's a compendium that I've got called Preach the Word. Oh, um, yes. Greg, Greg Haslam's the editor, yes. Been that's very... right. Greg Haslam's the one he edited. That's very good. You get a variety of voices no, in, sure. in that. And so you'll get a good um, spread across all sorts of different kinds of preaching and different aspects of it. Wonderful. Hey, it's been fantastic to chat to you. We just need to point people in the direction of the, the actual website and uh, how people can access it. Yes, I'm very keen that the masterclass is not behind a paywall so that it's accessible to anybody who particularly wants to be part of it. If you just Google Ian White preaching masterclass or preaching masterclass Ian White, um, you'll find it. Uh, I tried that just before we went on air and it worked. So that's probably Beautiful. the best way of locating it. It's on my own website and the sessions are being released once a week at the moment. Um, I've recorded about 20. Um, the last couple are on the seven deadly sins of preachers. And um, yeah, but they won't be out until beginning of September, I don't think. Fabulous. And of course, if, if uh, there's a group of churches or a, a, a church that has a number of preachers, they could invite you along to to lead yes for sure person. yes very happy to do that to preach to, to do some training on preaching either online or in person i don't mind i'll do either wonderful well it's fa fa fabulous we've, we've just touched uh, uh the surface of course of uh of, of preaching but it's uh this hopefully stimulated many listening who have to do this on a regular basis and of course there's application for other communicators who aren't preachers but have to speak to charities and, and business settings so thank you so much yeah yeah, sure. It's a pleasure to speak to you, Andy. It was my joy to chat with Ian White and his Preacher's Masterclass. Uh, it can be a tough task to be delivering regular messages, so why not dip into his site and uh, see what he has for you? This is Andy Peck thanking you for your company and looking forward to you joining us again soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.